Awesome. Hey, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors here at Celebration. Uh, I'm so glad that you came and you're with us today. If you're a first or second time guest, you started on a new day, a great day to be here. Uh, we are starting a new uh, uh, series called The Irresistible Family. Some of you I know, right when I said that title, uh, hey, Edna, how you doing? Awesome. I just have a little something I would like to say before you get okay. into your message because I thought preacher Dennis was going to do it, but that's fine. I love you too. <laughs> I just want to say, our family has been through a lot. But the message that Preacher Dennis has brought, Jerry and I were talking about it last Sunday. <laughs> and my heart has been so, I, feel, I just feel so lighthearted. Edna, I'd like to pray for you right now. Father, just thank you uh, for Edna and the Foster family. Lord, thank you for what they mean to our church. Lord, thank you that you continue to reveal yourself to them. And as you're growing in their heart, Lord, and strengthening their family. Lord, thank you that death is not the end result. Lord, that it is only a sting. And it's lost its sting because of what you've done. So, Lord, uh, just help us to, to walk in the strength of your family that you've given us, the irresistible family. We just love you and you thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I know that what for the Lord, he has got us through all of this. And I just want to praise him and give him the honor and glory. Let's give him praise. Well, thank you, Edna. So that's exactly what we're talking about this morning is just what family is like. The irresistible family. And uh, some of you may be sitting there thinking, Wow, Brian, uh, have you been to any of my family gatherings? Uh, some of you are going, Yeah, we are irresistible. We're awesome. And some of us, we might be thinking, uh, Sometimes our family is a little bit less than desirable. I always like to talk about our crazy aunt. Anybody got a crazy aunt? Yeah, so, and I always say this if you don't know who she is, you are her. Uh, so, uh, but family gets complicated, and we're talking about just how the fellowship of the body of Christ, how we connect, and just how the strength of the body of Christ comes as we come together. So over the next four weeks, what we're going to talk about is we're going to look at the 30,000-foot view today of what the big gathering, what we do weekly in this room, why that is so important, and then we'll trickle down and look how that affects us in our daily lives, and then we'll actually, at, on the last week, talk about how that's going to impact and should be impacting the world. Uh, today we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10, so if you want to turn there, we'll get there in just a, a few minutes, but we'll uh, start in verse 19 and go through 25, so if you want to get there. But we're actually talking about, everybody say rhythm. rhythm. Do y'all know what makes a great family? 
A great family that has great rhythm. You just gel together, you bond together, but not only is that good in a family, but it's also what makes music so good. A good beat makes a good song. Uh, so, uh, how many of you agree? Now, on the count of three, just yell out the best style genre of, of music. One, two, three. Okay, so uh, I hear like rock, worship, bluegrass, hip-hop. You know, there's all kinds of genre, uh, but all music has something in common, and that's a good beat. In fact, uh, where's Dustin? Dustin, are you around here? So, yeah. Dustin, why don't you uh, give us a good beat on the drums? Uh, so this is what a good beat sounds like. And this is actually a beat to a song we're going to learn like next week. So... Okay, all right, everybody, see if you can clap on the beat. Okay, that beat, we can clap on it. You guys were clapping earlier and it was terrible, so this is not so bad. Okay, now try to hold that beat and let's see if you can hold it in the drums, get off beat. Go ahead, Dustin, show us what it feels like to get off beat. Okay, stop, that's just terrible. Now, what if music was like that? Now, when we were singing the first song this morning, you guys are trying to clap and it got a little rough. It's because most of us are white in this room and let's just be honest, we have no rhythm. That's why we need help. Now, what you may not know is Dustin, uh, give us that beat, but turn it down the house just a little bit, Andrew. Give us that beat again, because I wanna show you what holds the band together. Do you hear that? All right, give us that beat. What you don't hear every Sunday morning is the band has that, it's called a click, going in their ear, and it keeps them all in rhythm. And if they, now, the reason we do that, okay, you can stop it. The reason we do that is because we want to make sure that the band is able to keep rhythm and play music. Y'all give it up for Dustin. Thank you for that. We're actually going to add to that song next week. We won't let you listen to the click. What if you heard the click on Sunday morning? <laughs> You'd be like, what is that? So weird. That's a weird church. They got st but the band in their ears has that going to keep them in rhythm. There has to be a rhythm to the church. When we lose our rhythm, we lose our way, and our music is terrible. Figuratively speaking, and literally, if the band is out of rhythm, then that's what ends up happening. I want to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. It's not going to be up on the screen. I just want to read it through, and then we'll pick it back up here in just a few minutes. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, just listen, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Do you hear this idea of rhythm? 
and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the beat or to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another all the more as you, as you see the day approaching. Now this idea of rhythm, of being part of the family, being this irresistible family, we've all got to find our beat. So we're going to look at that today. And I want to talk about the church because that's what the church is. The church is a family. It's the largest family on planet Earth. Do you know that uh, estimates say that there are 2.2 billion Christians? We're the biggest family on the planet that claims to be part of something. I find that very encouraging. To be a part of something bigger than me, to be a part of something bigger than celebration, to be a part of something bigger than the 300 churches in Wilkes. When we gather together, we get our rhythm. We get that beat that is so important to our lives. To get that grounding, to get that centeredness. Now, families grow closer and stronger when they gather together. Would you agree? How many of you, have just, your family is out of state? Your immediate family. It's hard to keep that rhythm. You got to stay on the phone or, and, and you have to take time away from work to go visit. But if you have family local... Uh, you know, uh, you keep that rhythm in the family. Now, you might say, well, okay, Brian, if you're talking about the church, how did the church start? Because I'm pretty sure the church doesn't look today like it did 2,000 years ago when the church started. Well, I would agree with you. Uh, I wanna, let's look at a few verses because you, uh, you may say stuff like this because... Well, we just watch from home. Right now, welcome Facebook Live. Everybody say hello to people watching on Facebook. There's a bunch of people. We have uh, between 500 and 1,000 views weekly on our Facebook uh, video. Now, what that means is some people tune in for a few minutes. Some people watch the whole service. But regardless, some people are watching from home right now. And you might say, well, Brian, that's what we do. That's how we gather as the church. Well, that, that's, that's not, that should be a help if you're out of town, but not a replacement for being here. And what I want to do is to build a case biblically, because that's, I'm, I don't want to give you just my, I will give you my opinion. That's not only my opinion, but let's look at the Bible. I want to look and give a defense for why we should gather. Because I've heard people say, well, I don't come to church because uh, if I walk in there, I'll catch on fire. What? Raise your hand if you got jacked up things in your life, messed up things in your life. Okay, if you didn't raise your hand, your wife should elbow you right now and say, you better put your hand up. We are messed up people. In fact, one of the qualifications of being a part of Celebration Church is that you're messed up. We don't allow perfect people in here. We worship Him, the one perfect person. That's why when you walk in here, if you got issues, you're at the right place. Come find your rhythm. That's why we gather to get set up and get that rhythm. So how did the, this irresistible family start? Because a lot of people leave church because they're like, it's full of hypocrites. Yep, there's one preaching right now. I got hip, hypo, hypocrisy in my life that I'm working on. I want to rapid fire some verses right out of the book of Acts. The Acts gives us a historical view 
If you can keep up, you can turn in your Bibles. If not, it'll be up on the screen. But Acts 1-4, let's start there. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, everybody say Jesus. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, so gather, but wait and gather for the gift my uh, father promised, which you heard, which you have heard me speak about. So, right before the crucifixion, Jesus says, hey, I'm going to send the helper. John chapter 7, he talks about it, several other places, but Jesus said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit is who he's talking about. Well, after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus here in Acts 4, Acts uh, 4, or Acts 1, 8, he ascends right before their very eyes. But in Acts 1, 4, he says, hey, by the way, do you remember I told you that I was going to send somebody to help? He's getting ready to come. But I need you to gather. Everybody say gather. I need you to gather in Jerusalem and wait. So there's an importance. Something's getting ready to happen that's going to give them rhythm where they can work as one body. How many bodies of Christ are there? One. But we see so much pulling away from the body of Christ and this lack of unity that happens in the body of Christ. And Jesus is saying there's something very important, but you've got to be together for it to happen. Acts 1.14, he says, they all joined, so they obeyed. They all joined together constantly in prayer. So there was this fellowship, this sharing together that happened when they got together. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brother. So there was a diversity of people that gathered together. So it was all the disciples and the family, the, the bloodline family of Jesus. Acts 2.1 says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all, everybody say, together. How many places were they? In one place. So they were all together. Where the church started, it started in one place. And then we see all throughout scriptures, if you read the, the headings that say uh, things like 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, those are written to churches of places where people gather and they gathered on a regular basis. How often did they gather? Well, Acts 2.46, the first part. We'll look at the second part of Acts 2.46 next week. It says, every day we're going to have church. I mean, some of us can't do once a week or once a month, but every day. The, what was, they had such great rhythm. They were more like a black church than a white church. They had good rhythm. They had such great rhythm that they stayed on beat. It says that every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. So they had a place. Not only did they have a, a time, but they had a place. We meet every Sunday morning at 1030, and we meet various days in the community and homes. We'll talk about that next week. But see, this is the big gathering of believers. This is the idea that something has to happen where we get our rhythm, where we all get in the same direction and carry the same purpose and mission. See, the greatest family that ever existed and exists today is because people were willing to gather together and be, get unified and become obedient to Christ and receive the vision and the mission of Christ and spread the generosity of the gospel. See, a lot of our world doesn't know their purpose because they won't gather to hear about it. And it's not just being able to hear about it. It's about being with the people and hear about it. 
While the book of Acts might give us some historical accounts of how the church started, if you got your Bible, turn to Ephesians 2 while you're holding your place there in Hebrews. But Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and gives them commands and direction. So I don't know if you know that, but the book of Acts is a historical book about the Acts of the Apostles. The letters that are written are more direction to us. So some people read like the book of Acts in chapter 1 and 2 and they go, the church, this is what it should look like. Well, Acts isn't a model for us, it's an example to us. But the Ephesians, Galatians, all those other Colossians, they are models for us. So Paul is talking to the church there, the new church there in Ephesus, and he says, Consequently, you are no no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens. You're a family. Everybody say family. You're family with God's people and members of God's household. So it sounds like an accountability there. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, in Jesus, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, hey, uh, the church, the family of God is like a building. That Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the one who gives us the rhythm. And you are the materials. I used to be in construction, working construction. And the homeowner would come and say, why aren't y'all building faster? One of the most common things that we would say would be, we're waiting on the materials. And then we would call the lumber company and say, where are the materials? And they would say, well, we're waiting the, the two battens that you need, we're having to get shipped in from this place. And everything was scattered all over the place. And until it would be brought together in one place, the building could never go up. Now some people wonder why a church just doesn't explode in Wilkes. Well, I think it's because we are very good at scattering material. I mean, we have 300 churches, and almost everybody in Wilkes would claim, almost, probably I would say 85 to 90% of people in Wilkes would claim that they believe in God, and they believe in Jesus, and they would claim a church home. But when you really got down to it, the number would get significantly lower on people who are truly living out the gospel because of their love for Christ. Well, what do you think the problem is? The problem is, is we've got material scattered And I say, as soon as the material gets in one place, we will build the building. Well, we've got a vision for Celebration Church. We have a heart for our community, but until we can all get on the same page, we had a a lady come up to us, to Dennis and I one day. This was a couple years ago, and they said, man, I just wish we were doing more at Celebration. They hadn't been to church in several months. And we, in just like 30 seconds, named off like, Eight things we were doing that month. They had no clue. Why? Because they never gathered. They never looked at all the other resources. And they were like, wow, we are busy. And we say, I guess we'll see you at those eight things, right? No. See, a lot of times we get disconnected. Because you know what Satan doesn't want? Satan doesn't want you to call celebration home. Satan doesn't want you to become accountable to a body and open yourself up and become vulnerable. No. 
He wants you to be disconnected. He wants you to have in your mind that you don't really need to be accountable to a church. Uh, I just don't believe in institutionalizing the church. Well, God doesn't either. But either you're a part of the family or you're not. You can't just walk in and say, no, I'm not really a part of this family. Well, who are you? Get out of our house. Just think about that. Somebody walks up in your house and, and you go, can I help you? Yeah, I'm just checking this out. Yeah, you're about to check out permanently. You know, this is Wilkes County. You're about to get shot. That's probably what's getting ready to happen. See, we can't build. People say, well, how long is it going to take? Well, how long is it going to take for us to get together and get a rhythm? I mean, come on, it's one day a week. You do more things less important than this more days during the week. Way less important than this. In fact, if you're doing something more important than this, please come and tell me what it is. I want to do it with you. Because I like doing the best things with my life. I get so excited to be here on Sunday morning. My stomach is in knots because I'm like, we're going to do it again. It's going to be so awesome. I'm so nervous about what God might do. You should be on edge, not because the preacher might say something stupid or the band might be terrible, but because God might show up in such an intense way, you might really open up and give yourself away that morning. You should be nervous to encounter God. Ephesians 5.19, it says this, Speak to one another when we gather. We should speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. We can't speak to each other if we're not together. We can't speak to each other if we're not with one another. And some people are so discouraged and so disconnected, and they keep going back to their drug habits, and they keep falling into adultery and pornography, and they keep making bad financial decisions and, you know... Teenagers are just like, my family, I can't stand my family. And they make all these excuses. And people live so in the dark and they wonder why. Well, you've lost your rhythm and God did not make you to be a creature without rhythm. You should have a rhythm with Him. See, our family is only as strong as the people that make it up. And the people that make up our family are only as strong as their love for Jesus. And this is where we get that. This is like the launching point into the week. We're a family. We're an irresistible family. But statistically, only 25% of people who claim to be Christian attend church three out of five Sundays. Did you hear that? And if things continue, if the trend continues by 2050, some of you going... Is that not a movie? We'll have flying cars by then. But by 2050, stats say, stat, statistics say that only 11.7% of people will be attending church if we continue this trend. I don't even see how that's possible. I must be so jacked up in my mind and so crazy about Jesus that I'm clueless that that can even be a possibility. Because I think God is so amazing. I think Jesus is so, so beautiful and so wonderful that everybody wants him. In fact, I know everybody wants him. But people don't want it to be him. People want him, but they, they go after drugs and alcohol and sex outside of marriage and adultery. They go after chasing jobs and stuff. 
They go after those things. And what they want is Jesus, but they don't want it to be Jesus because that means they can no longer be God. And there's nothing more humbling than being knocked off the own, your, the, your own throne. But guess what? You're not doing a good job. If you're running your family that you're responsible for, you're, you're, you're cutting your family short. God should sit on the throne of not only your life, but your family in this church. You say, well, Brian, who runs this church? Jesus Christ does. We just try to submit to him in the positions of responsibility. The authority comes from God. The responsibility is delegated to us. And I try to do well with my responsibility. The same thing that I do with, I'm not over my wife, Angie. Everybody says, well, we knew that. She's in charge. When the Bible says things like submit, uh, wives submit to your husbands and uh, submit to each other out of reverence for Christ, it's not saying that one is over another. It is saying, Brian, you have a responsibility as the head. You better take responsibility. It doesn't give you authority because Jesus Christ is the authority of my family. And I know that he's the authority because my son Cade should have already been here. And God is, for some reason, waiting. Hurry up, buddy. He is not obeying me, and he's not even out of the womb. I've talked to him for two weeks now. You need to get out here. He's not listening. Let's get back to that Hebrews passage, and let's break that passage down and start at the beginning. We're going to look at verse 25 and just talk about that because it is the end result and the cure-all to our rhythm problem. And then we'll go back through the passage. But Hebrews 10.25 says this, Let us not give up meeting together. So the Bible is stating the problem and the solution. The problem is people don't meet anymore. This is just years after the church launched. So we're not talking like this was written like hundreds of years later. After the church was launched... The problem already started. People just quit gathering. Why? Because it takes work. It takes effort. It takes accountability. And nobody tells you what to do, right? I mean, the less accountable you can be, you can just do your own thing. But then will you really be accountable to God if you can't be accountable to people who love you? It says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Everybody say habit. I know you only have good habits. I would dare say that in your mind right now, when I say the word habit, you think of the thousand negative things that you do. Eating habits, sleeping habits, you know, speaking habits. We can just go through a list of things and you can come up in your brain all these bad habits. Some of you chew your nails, that's nasty. You know, I've got all kinds of just quirks and glitches in my life that are not that are, are habits but the bible is saying hey some of you are in the habit of not meeting together but he says this but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching so we see the conclusion and the remedy to our rhythm issues are right here and the result is we become encouraged people one of the things that uh, Dustin and Elise, when they moved back here, and Dustin came on staff just, uh, I don't even know how long, it's probably been about eight months or 
nine months or so. But Dustin grew up here. I grew up in this church. And when he went out and served in ministry in a few various places, when he came back, he said, you know what I've noticed? He said, I noticed something about Wilts I'd never noticed before. He said, everybody seems so down here. We've got to do something to give people hope. He said, it just feels like everybody's depressed. Well, the remedy to that, if you are an encouraged person, you look encouraged. It's, it's like a, a bunch of dudes. If you, if you, ladies, if you were to ever stand up here and see the faces of most of the dudes, here's what the face you get most of the time. Are you excited to be here? Yes. Tell your face. If we're our encouraged people, encouragement is contagious. We need to find our rhythm. That can't happen. We can't be the people of light, the people of salt, the people of hope if we're not encouraged. And we won't be encouraged unless we gather together. And what does the Bible say there? It says, all the more as you see the day approaching. So next week you being here is even more important than this week. I mean, you should do all that you can. Yes, we got Facebook Live. That's to reach people who are unchurched. So when you come in and you see the notification on your phone that it says celebration has gone live, you go share. Not so that you sit at home, which is fine if you need to stay home. If you're sick, don't bring the flu here. Maybe if you got a bad attitude and you're a discourager, maybe stay at home. I don't know. Or maybe come here and be encouraged. But this, that's not a replacement. We need to be gathered together and get that encouragement. And it should be an increasing importance in your life. And statistically it says that it's going down. But either the Bible is not true. All the more as you see the day. Capital D there in your Bible, isn't it? As you see the day approaching, you need to make this more and more urgent. Well, what is that day? Well, the Bible says that one day from the east, Jesus is going to split the sky and somehow the world will see it. The whole world. And at that point evangelism, I'm out of a job, by the way, at that point. There will be no preaching in heaven. That's when I get to go in retirement. Okay? That will not be an occupation in heaven. There will be no preaching. Why? There will be nothing to evangelize. That's why it's so important here, now, that we gather every single week and get that encouragement and that, that rhythm. See, we lose our rhythm when we maybe transition to a new song. Something new comes in our life. This is a common time for people to lose their rhythm. You change jobs. Then all of a sudden you work on Sunday, and, but you don't figure out how to find your rhythm some other way. I'd love to know. I'd love to see an email. If you have family members that work in a Saturday night service... We could fill a room or get something started. We'd do that in a second. We just want to reach people and help people keep that rhythm. Sometimes we lose our rhythm when there's sickness in our family. We get sick, then your wife gets sick, and then your kids get sick, and it's like three weeks in a row the flu is just taking your family out. But then everybody's not sick anymore, and another Sunday comes around, and you've already built a new rhythm in your life. Isn't it so uh, odd how quickly good habits can go away? Think about a diet. How long did that last? 
I mean, you remember that commitment you made that you were going to start drinking only water? (laughs) Yeah, right. You tried to cut bread out, but then you went to Olive Garden. (laughs) And you said, well, just this one week. Now diets have cheat days worked into them. And some of you still from next week's cheat day to have two cheat days this week. It's crazy what we will do to break down a good habit. Why? The flesh is strong. It constantly wants the spiritual man to die. Wreck ball, when that comes up, turns into school ball. And then school ball turns into travel ball. And then all of a sudden your family doesn't worship Jesus. It worships travel ball. And we all have something... And that's not to take a shot at anybody at this room. Everybody in this room has something that has the potential to become the new rhythm in their life. And you've got to fight that. Or something, you turn the click off because you get cocky enough to to believe that you still don't need that standard in your ear constantly keeping you on track. And because we have so many volunteers that, that... uh, or in, in the band, we have two or three bands here that we have to use the click in the ear because the bands even have to have something that keeps them in rhythm. So let's talk about this. Why do we gather? Well, we gather to find our rhythm if you haven't figured that out. And there's three areas that it gives us rhythm. So let's talk about them. The first one, everybody say purpose. It gives us rhythm in our purpose. Now, I specifically worded it this way because it gives you rhythm and me rhythm in our purpose. Because our purpose is your purpose. Some people say, well, I just don't understand the purpose of my life. Well, first, if you get the big picture right, you'll find the little picture. Yes, you have a niche in the big picture. That is specific. I can't go to your work. I can, but you do a better job at reaching your work or your school. God put you in those places at those times for a purpose. But the purpose is that we reach the world. That we become that rhythm that people need. Hebrews 10 verse 19. Let's look at this. Therefore, brothers... I want you also to look as we go through this passage, all the unification words, all the words that sound like family. Therefore, brothers, some of your Bibles say brothers and sisters. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for, everybody say us. So there's this rhythm and purpose for us through the curtain that is his body, and his body is the church, that's us. And since we... Have a great uh, priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. So we gather together to find our rhythm and our purpose. We have purpose and we get that through the confidence of our worship. We find our purpose by confidently worshiping when we gather together. Well, Brian, how do we worship? Well, when we play music and sing songs, what do you think is a good response? If the band is playing music and singing songs, what do you think we should do? Yeah, we should probably sing too. 
I heard, uh, just because I've got a sarcastic brain, somebody said pray. Yeah, I pray for the band sometimes really hard. Yeah. But we, we worship, we sing. Well, how else do we worship? We worship by anticipating the Word of God penetrating our hearts and coming ready for that. We worship by sharing that fellowship together and really connecting with people. One of the most powerful movements I've ever seen in a school is when a group of students took this principle that I tried to teach them. I said, instead of sitting there just shoveling food in your mouth at lunch, look up and find somebody sitting alone. Find somebody you don't know and walk over there and just sit with them and build a relationship. Now, here's the crazy thing. Most of us feel like we're the person sitting there alone and we're waiting for somebody to walk to us. You should look up too and find out why you're sitting alone and go sit with somebody. You should connect with people that you don't know. And if you're a first or second time guest or if you've been coming and nobody's ever spoken to you, come to me right afterwards and next week I'll preach so hard against that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but I hope people connect with you. I hope you feel welcome. I hope you want to be a part of that because you can't, we can't find our rhythm in our purpose if we don't do a few things. So he says that we have confidence in our worship. There's also renewal in our purpose. We can say something. How many of you have had to tell your children something more than once that was very important? How many of you have told your children something that saved their life, advice that would save their life, and you've had to tell it to them again? What happens if you don't tell it to them again? They'll kill themselves. Don't go near the don't go near the don't go near the road. Now, if you tell your children one time, don't go near the road, and you see them walking towards the road, and you think something crazy like this, well, I've told them before. <laughs> they know. Well, they forgot the purpose of not walking towards the road. And you have to tell them, you have to keep that rhythm in their life and in their mind. Well, you can't be that cocky. You can't be that arrogant to think that not coming as often as possible in gathering with the church that you're good. You will walk towards the road. And you will forget the purpose of not walking towards the road. You will forget the purpose of staying married. You'll forget the purpose of making great grades. You'll forget the purpose of sticking out your job in that terrible place. We know your boss is an evil person. You'll forget the purpose of obeying your parents. You'll forget the purpose of loving your campus. You'll forget the purpose of reaching out to our community. You'll forget the purpose of giving and being generous. And ultimately, he said in verse 22, he said, Let us draw near to God. Well, we, the purpose of intimacy... Do you know that your personal worship and your corporate worship are tied together? Some people say, well, you know, I struggle with having that personal time with God, but I love coming to church and worshiping together as the body. Well, guess what? Your worship together with us is insufficient if it's not alone with God. And can I flip that and say the exact same thing? If you never gather with the body of Christ, your worship personally with God is insufficient because he made you for community. So it's a both end. And there it says, uh, the, the Bible says, let us draw near to God with sincere heart. 
So there's an intimacy with God that our purpose is found. And I love it. I, it's hard to put tangible things on it, but you just feel it. I know that's a dangerous word, but you can just feel it when Celebration Church on a Sunday morning is just killing it in a good way. You're like, yeah, can we just keep this going? That rhythm. We just feel that rhythm. I've talked about this with worship leaders because I feel like a worship leader and a preacher have to learn how to dance together. Because if the worship is just like, and I have to get up here, maybe I'm just a really picky person. But if the worship isn't edifying and I just feel like we're going from point A to point B and it's not accomplishing anything except making noise, I just feel like I struggle preaching. So if I ever preach a bad message ever, which happens all the time, I'm blaming it on Dustin. (laughs) No, that's not what I'm saying. But there's a, there's a, and I've only had just a handful of worship leaders that I felt this over the years where it's like me and them We've got something, this rhythm together, and it's hard to explain. So the best way I've tried to use that analogy is it's like we learn to dance together because you don't have to do a lot of talking during dancing. If you're talking during dancing, you're not dancing. You know, we learn to listen to the music and find our rhythm. Well, that happens, and in that we find our purpose, and there's nothing stronger than a group of people that know their purpose. It intimidates people. They're like, what? And it's not even our confidence in ourselves. Look at Acts 2.44. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They had a one focused purpose. All their stuff, all their backgrounds, all their stories together. Somehow they were able to bring it together and align it together with one purpose. All their resources, all their time, their talent, their treasures, everything. They had everything in common. Now, some people take that as a prescription. No, it's an observation. We get to observe the church in Acts. But I still believe it's still possible today that we, as Celebration Church, and somehow as churches throughout the county, we can find a common purpose and align everything to bring glory to God. But it can't happen if we don't gather. If we don't ask about that purpose and listen to that purpose. Acts 6.2 says this. What about the problems that arise in the church? Well, when you gather together, they just get figured out. It says that, so the 12 gathered all the disciples. So this is four chapters after the church was started. So there are thousands of believers by now. And one passage said 5,000 were added that day. What would we do if we saw 5,000 people come to Christ? We'd, we'd fall out. And then it says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So in Acts chapter 6, it was so overwhelming, a problem arised. Let's continue to look. It says, so the twelve were gathered together, all the disciples, and said, it would not be right for us to, to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Well, every ministry created and every need is met when we gather regularly and step into our purpose. When we gather regularly, the problems arise, but so do the solutions. Why? Because all the building materials are in place. So you and I can not only find our purpose, but we we gather and find our rhythm in our vision and mission. Hebrews 10.23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, 
For he who promised is faithful. So something happens when we gather together that we figure out what the vision and the mission is. And it says that we hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. So something is being proclaimed about the vision and the mission every single week. And we can hold unswervingly to that. Proverbs 29.18 says this, Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Now in the King James it says, Where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. So the idea here is the cast off restraint is the restraint that God puts in our life that keeps us from not, don't go to the road, don't go to the road. That restraint, people who have no vision just cast that off. So if the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish, can I say that where there is no people, the vision will perish? If we don't gather, it doesn't matter what the vision is. And there has to be something that trumps your vision or something that you need to align your vision towards. And as long as celebration continues to preach from the Word of God, guess what vision you get? You get God's vision. The second we quit using the Bible here, walk out the door because you will get the wrong vision. But you need a vision bigger than yours, and that's the vision and mission that we, we hold on to. But sometimes the family's too busy to catch the vision and mission, even here on this campus. Some people get so busy, they work week after week after week after week serving in our children's ministry. Do you know what we see constantly happen to them? They burn out, they walk out, or they start pulling from the vision and mission that God has called us to be unified in. It doesn't make anybody bad. But that's why even we talk to our volunteers. Hey, you need to be sitting in this room under preaching and teaching and with worship. Don't show up late. If you only come for the preaching, you need to change something. If you only come for the worship, you need to change something. We actually work hard to create a vision and a mission every single week. And you need to be a part of that. Even things like uh, today, we're doing uh, Grow Up, Class 201. It's all about figuring out how to study. You need to get that rhythm in your life on how to study and be a regular uh, spiritual uh, person who feeds themselves. So we gather not only to get the rhythm in our purpose, our vision and, uh, vision and mission, but also, everybody say, generosity. We need to get a rhythm in our generosity. The most generous people on planet Earth I've always seen to be Christians. Now, that doesn't make us better. There's just something that happens in our life where we just want to give away things of our time. You know, sometimes people get so excited and says, here's one of my kids. You know, I'm not... Some of you are going, well, it's a different reason. (laughs) Here, please take my kid, you know. But sometimes we get to this place where generosity starts to snowball in a church. And a church overwhelms a community with their lives. If people ever think celebration is a stingy place, we need to shut the doors. Hebrews 10, 24, it says, and let us consider. Let me pause right there. That idea, there's a word in the Hebrew. It's the word selah. Some of you said, isn't that a Christian band? Yes, it is, but they got the word. It's out of the book of Psalms. And if you'll read through the book of Psalms, and you've seen this if you're spending time in the word daily, at the end of a lot of the Psalms, it'll use the word Selah. 
And it simply means this, pause and ponder and consider. And that's what the Bible is saying right here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider. There's things that we need to consider when we gather. There should be pauses. Not only when we gather, but in our lives. We should be able to pause and hear what God is saying. He says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. So the, there should be a pause every week. And we actually do that. In our worship, we, we give a pause financially and we, we talk about giving back to the Lord. But it's not just about money. There's a pause in our life and we're actually going to read a, a, a declaration we're gonna, uh, when we give today. And we're going to declare that. And I hope that's the time where we pause and ponder the things of God and about the generosity of our life. See, we lose rhythm of generosity when we gather weekly and we can't give back because we've filled up our calendar or we've made purchases that God didn't call us to make. I'm going to say something that might sound a little bit risky, but I'm going to say it because that's just what I do sometimes. But your money and your bank account is the church's, not celebrations, but it's the family of God. We're a collective thing. Your calendar is the family of God's calendar. You just happen to get to spend it at your work and into your family. God has actually made a, a way for every dollar in every second of your life. Now, I didn't say that it all goes here. But there is a collective purpose that happens that when we gather here, you figure out where it goes there. That has to be. God doesn't leave a part of your life out of rhythm. And if you are not a generous person, then you need to get your rhythm in that part of your life. Things that squelch generosity. Selfishness, lack of stewardship, and control. If you think the church is an institution, you'll struggle to give. Financially or of your time. You'll struggle to give based on the performance of the preaching or the, the music. You'll be the calendar. Well, I think we should be doing this and doing that and doing this. And then you say, well, I'm not going to give because I need to control. But if you see this church as your family and you're a good family member, you're going to be a generous person. Because we take care of family, don't we? I mean, I can think of a thousand times my family has been there for me. And I'll say just as much this family has been for me, been there for me in my life. I love this family. This is the most amazing church I've ever been in. And I grew up in a pretty awesome church. But man, I love this family because I do see generosity and it just gets all over me. I get excited. Not just financially. When we say the word generosity, sometimes we think about only money. But I want you to listen to the impact that the, one of the smallest churches that's ever been talked about in uh, the Bible. It's in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. It says, And now, brothers, so Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about a church in Macedonia. We want you to know about the grace God has given to the Macedonian churches. One of the most, uh, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. I love that. There goes all your excuses and mine too. Well, I just, I don't have the ability right now. Well, good. You're in a good place for God to show up and glorify himself in your life. That's where I want to be. And entirely on their own. So 
beyond their ability, entirely on their own. Chew that for a while. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege. They pleaded for the privilege of sharing. There's that fellowship, that togetherness, sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected because we expected nobody to step up to the plate. Nobody signed up, so nobody showed up. But they gave themselves first to the Lord. There's the key. First to the Lord and then to us. Our gathering is only as strong as your gathering with the Lord. And gave themselves to us in keeping with God's will. Generosity is contagious and it's the best way to sp- and the best way to spread a contagion is in a large crowd. I mean, think about that. Schools, you'd be like, man, the schools are getting wiped out with the flu. Why? Because your kid, because you didn't want to get a babysitter or you couldn't take off work, it might have been legitimate, you sent them knowing that they possibly had the flu and they took out their whole class. Some of you think that that's what happened to your child this year. Somebody knew and they sent their kid. Who would do that? A bunch of people. A bunch of people do it every day. You don't have any sick time, so you go into work and you're like, Good morning. Good morning. Are you okay? Oh, yeah, I just got something in my throat. Knowing you got the flu. I hope we keep our rhythm. I hope you see that being part of an irresistible family means we gather as a family. I hope next week that's an even bigger deal than this week. In fact, it's so big that you bring people with you. And it's so big in two or three months we have to go to a second service or maybe start that Saturday night. There is no reason why with 69,000 people in this church at one time being about a 530 people that would gather on a Sunday morning that, I mean, those same people are here. We just got to become that irresistible family because of him, not because of us. We're messed up. Nobody wants to be here. <laughs> But if, they're, if they see that we're here because of him and they see how perfect he is, then maybe you'll make this step. Maybe you'll take this next step today. If you're writing, taking notes, write this down. The next step's real simple. I will find God's rhythm in our family. And you do that by being here. And as a result of that, you get to find your, your rhythm and your purpose and the vision and mission and in generosity. You say, well, Brian, what, what, uh, can I ask, what if I find my rhythm here at Celebration? What do I do with that? Well, come back next week, and we'll tell you how to, what you do with the rhythm that you can find on a weekly basis. Would you just pray with me? Jesus, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you that uh, your inescapable beauty and awesomeness is here for all of us, and you call us sons and daughters. We are not illegitimate children, but we've been adopted. We didn't even have a place in your family because our sin cut us off from you. But you signed the adoption papers when you died on the cross and paid for our sin. And you made us an irresistible family. And it's a family that shuts no one out. All are welcome when they come to you. And they receive Christ and turn from their sin and surrender their life. All are welcome. All can be a part of this family. But we can't come in with our own agenda. We have to surrender to yours. Our purpose is in you. Our vision and mission come from you. And our generosity comes from those generous being ever to exist. That is you, Lord. 
You have always existed and you've always been generous to offer relationship with your creation, with you. So thank you, Lord, that we can know you and we can make you known. So Lord, as we sing this morning, may our worship give us rhythm in your family. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.